All right. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. I've just got the notification through that Kane Sims is live on LinkedIn. So there you go. Welcome to another episode of the uh, of the VUX World podcast. Uh, happy for you to join me. And today I am joined with uh, a, an industry and community heavyweight, you could say. Uh, everyone who is kind of really involved in conversational AI and AI automation, customer experience in general, will know of this fella. He is responsible for putting together really the largest gathering of us, you know, the industry enthusiasts, practitioners and leaders that exists today that's focusing specifically on conversational AI. It began as the Voice Summit. It's now rebranded as the Voice and AI Summit. And we're going to hear all about that story and what's in store for the event coming up in September. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please welcome Pete Erickson. Pete, welcome, my friend. Hey. Kane, it's wonderful to be here. Thanks for that kind introduction. And I do feel like I've arrived now that I'm on uh, live with you here on LinkedIn uh, with the one and only Kane Sims. So thanks so much for having me on. I can't believe, I can't believe we haven't done this before. It seems strange. Know, there's well. a few people. Yeah, there's a few people who yeah. kind of like, you know, I speak to all the time and we're really good friends, but we've never done a podcast together. And so yeah. it's... Uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, I think that's the thing is we talk a lot, right? So uh, when you have a lot of conversations, uh, you know, anyway, you, you sort of feel like you're having that podcast in it, you know, maybe behind the scenes. Uh, but now it's kind of fun to just get out and uh, and chat with you, um, not behind the scenes. We kind of talk about this market and everything that's happening. It's been such a fascinating, uh, well, last, obviously, last six, seven months. Um, and uh, yeah, here we are. It's probably... It's probably a good uh, a good time to do this. I mean, the, we, we've been through lots of different kind of um, phases, haven't we? In this in this sort of industry, you know, we've gone from when Facebook, for, well, in fact, if you want, it depends how far back you want to go. But if if you go sort of like towards, you know, the the days of nuance and kind of like call center automation and all that sort of stuff, and then it gone went through that phase, and we got into the phase of sort of like voice assistants or maybe his first Facebook Messenger releasing its APIs, and then that kind of got a load of people interested in you know, what was then chatbots, which is now known as conversational right. AI. We then had right. Alexa the voice assistants come on stream that kind of galvanized the whole community of people, which you were kind of definitely heavily involved with, with organizing. And then we've kind of gone through the sort of enterprise phase where businesses are starting to implement this kind of stuff, chatbots, voice assistants, things like that. And now we've kind of got to the, the generative AI, large language model kind of phase, which has brought a whole new stream of people into the community who are really interested in building conversational applications. So although we haven't spoke on the podcast during those other phases now seems like more of an opportune time than ever because the world seems to be just lit on fire by uh, by conversational ai and everyone knows what it is now which is fantastic yeah thanks um you know in, in 2011 when siri first came out we um we hosted an event for developers to talk about the ways uh that voice uh interaction could actually improve their applications and we spent two hours hearing from developer after developer talking about how voice would actually improve the engagement uh, with their audience. And at the time, developers were incredulous that they couldn't get API access to Siri. And it wouldn't be for many, many more years before that even started. But, but yeah, the uh, you know, uh, conversational AI, automatic speech reg recognition, those have been around for a long time. And and uh, you mentioned contact center modernization. But then we had the you know the hype cycle of Alexa and Google Assistant. And I think that that was, uh, that's, I think, when it really hit hit its peak in 2018, maybe 2019, where people were truly, really interested in trying to figure out how um, 
you know, voice uh, was going to manifest itself in terms of a, maybe a new platform and a new market. And, and clearly that hype cycle passed, right? I think it passed during the pandemic, quite frankly. Um, and then last year, my observation uh, at Voice 22 was that the market had really kind of crystallized around, you know, three big areas. And that is, you know, um, custom assistance, you know, contact center, you know, modernization and, um, and CX automation. So customer experience automation, those were like the three big areas that people were focused on. And that was, you know, that was October 22. And then of course the big event in uh, November, just a month after our conference was the release of chat GPT. And so now we're kind of in this new, I don't know if you call it a hype cycle. Um, I think there's a lot of hype around it, but there's this shift, right? And I think the market feels like it's in this, what do we do now moment? Um, which is part hype cycle, part analyzing and understanding how is this going to change my business? And then a lot of experimentation that's happening now. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I do think we are going through a hype cycle, definitely when it comes to, to large language models. Like ChatGPT yeah. was sort of like the beginnings of that. Obviously, a lot of people have been using large language models for a long time. A lot of products have been built on it. A lot of businesses and a lot of the conversational AI platforms actually have been using them for, for some time. Amazon Alexa's had large language models kind of under the hood for quite a long time. So that the, it's not necessarily new. I think what's changed is obviously with ChatGPT being a customer-facing application that anyone can just go and register and use. That's kind of spurred a whole new bunch of interest. And the reason why I think it's definitely a kind of hype cycle phasing is that there is the promise of it. It's a bit like when when we were, you know, back in 2017, 2016, 2018, when we were really kind of like on Alexa. And it was like, Alexa is the new computing platform. Ambient computing is the way forward. And not only is it going to be kind of like a B2C thing where you're going to be able to get everything you need to get done, done, play music, getting recipes, you know, setting to-do lists and timers and all that, but also a, a B2C thing from a brand perspective, which is the ability to engage with the companies that you need to engage with to get stuff done. All the way from sort of like, you know, getting the news read out to you from BBC down to the more kind of like life moments, like taking out insurance and moving house and all of those kind of healthcare, all that kind of stuff. The potential was always there and we went through that right. hype cycle which is this is the answer to all of our prayers and right. and it didn't obviously transpire but it seems like we're kind of on that kind of uptrend again which is large language models are the answers to all our prayers and they're going to solve everything yes yeah no, certainly yeah, dangerous think, slowdown, you know yeah i think you're right i think you're right there is that there is there is that uh there definitely is that hype cycle the other hype cycle is it you know a hundred new tools a day are being announced, uh, you know, on various channels. And it's kind of like, you know, you can only use one tool at a time. Um, and uh, I think that it's very easy to stand up an AI tool just because AI makes it easy. So I think that there's, um, there's a flood of new entrants into the market. I think that, you know, we're definitely going to see a bubble where, um, you know, there are a lot of AI startups going after seed funding if you were an AI startup on generative AI in the first quarter, you probably were able to get that seed funding and that's slowing down. And we're seeing that as well. So um, yeah, a lot of hype. And, 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 but at the end of the day, you've got a lot of customers that are, you know, that, that did get a head start on voice. And, you know, some of those folks are coming to the conference. Of course, all the car manufacturers have been really out front on conversational AI and, and custom assistance, if you will, because they have custom assistance in their car. 
So you see some of the announcements of, uh, you know, um, I think it was uh, GM um, or, or was it GM or Ford? I can't remember now um, who announced ChatGPT integration into the automobile just last week. It's no wonder. And Mercedes, excuse me, Sir Mercedes. Yeah, and Mercedes, you know, spoke, was speaking at our conferences in 2018 and 2019. They were way out front. So thanks, yeah, thanks for the reminder on that. Um, so the companies, I think, that were really far ahead and, you know, Walmart's coming back to the conference and speaking about what they're, you know, what they're up to. Um, companies that were really up far ahead are in a better position to start to leverage some of these tools to even, you know, push a little further. Um, but companies that weren't, I think that this, moment really invites kind of a whole new set of analysis. So whereas a year ago, you might have been evaluating some conversational AI platforms, looking at ASR solutions and trying to understand how do we get into this market. And now um, with sort of all the new entrants and, you know, major funding events, Cohere raised $270 million, like this, you know, it's sort of like who is, uh, you know, now, now what do you do? Sort of like, sort of have to revisit this analysis of, of you know, what are we going to do now? Who are going to be our, our technology partners? And, you know, what's our, what's our long-term strategy? So it, it's, it, it is a, it's a shift in the market. It's a hype cycle. I think it's adding to, I don't, you know, maybe confusion is the right word. It's just adding to the number of options I think com companies have uh, in order to, in order to effectively move forward. And, um, you know, they've got their own, many companies have their large, you know, engineering teams. Now engineering teams are in experimentation phase again, grabbing different grabbing different LLMs and different tools and building and, and trying things out. And it's not that expensive to, to, to experiment and try. So this hype cycle, just like the last ones, driving sort of this period of hyper innovation, um, experimentation, and I love all that stuff. And that's what, I think that's what conferences are for. Um, and tech conferences especially, is to bring people together that are involved in, in all this experimentation, in implementing platforms, in having success, sharing that success. And for the platforms, it's an opportunity to shine and uh, to you know, tell your stories and get your case studies out there. So I really look forward to this year's conference because I feel like it's going to have a lot of energy uh, around mm -hmm. this new market and provide some clarity you know, for uh, for the folks that are out there, because I think that's one thing that may be missing right now in the in the AI hype cycle is is a lot of clarity. Yeah, we need to get through the hype down to the trough of disillusionment, don't we, so that we can actually start working on real tools <laughs> to real solutions and figure out where where there's actually going to be applied. But I, I definitely want to come back to the the, the kind of market analysis because there's some really good kind of threads to to pull on there. But let's definitely tell us about the conference you've alluded to it already i mentioned it at the beginning last year it was and for the previous number of years it's been the voice years, summit yeah. was it as mm -hmm. the voice summit five years old yep. um i've had the the um the pleasure of finally making it there last year and and you know yeah. you invited us along to to do our own stage and run our own track which was tremendously successful so we'll definitely be back there this year doing the same thing um the the four years prior every single year i was trying to go something happened First year I had a baby. Second year was my brother-in-law's wedding. You know, third year was like just coming out of lockdown or whatever. Like every single yep. time, you know, reason for the, right. like a barrier. Um, but that last year was immense. Uh, this year I'm really looking forward to. But tell us, tell us about the logic behind the reposition. So for those, yeah. lots of people tuning in will know about the Voice Summit. There's probably some people who who don't know about the Voice Summit. So tell us about kind of like the ethos of the event and why it's now the Voice and AI Summit. 
Yeah, I think, uh, thank you so much, Kane. And it was, uh, I'm so glad you finally got there last year. Yes, life happens. Uh, we can't always get to conferences and uh, uh, it was great to have you all. And I'm, we're excited to have the UX world back this year. Uh, you're tremendous partners and uh, and hats off to you as well on, on, on launching uh, Unparsed, which looks like a fabulous event at the end of July. So we definitely want to get a shout out to you all for, for doing that event and focusing on the conversation designers. Um, so yeah, voice started as as something as an exploration around the conversational interface um, of you know the assistants that were now you know growing at light speed back in in 2017, 2018, 2019. Whether that's an in-home assistant or an assistant in a car or assistant on a phone or on a laptop, um, it was sort of the the boom time, and it was really there was a need to really understand and explore that interface. As the markets evolved, that voice interface is one piece of the one piece of the market. And underneath, you know, the covers is machine learning, artificial intelligence, data science, all these other things that are happening to make it possible. So there's a large ecosystem around the, the conversational experience. And we were already catering to that ecosystem, but we really wanted to make that, we really wanted to make that point that. This was a, you know, an AI conference that dealt with um, that intersection between conversational AI, generative AI, machine learning, data science, um, and, and all the things that, that, relate, that, that relate to that. So uh, it's an interesting time, and, and we wanted to make sure that we reflect that. That's, it's actually worked out quite well for us. Um, the mix of partners is is more unique this year than it has been sort of sort of playing to that. So, you know, GitHub is sponsoring this year and, and GitHub hadn't sponsored in previous years. Um, we also just uh, landed our friends at Microsoft uh, and we're excited about that. But, um, you know, for, for the attendees, it's an opportunity to explore the stack of, you know, how do you build a conversational interface and how do you leverage, you know, GPT and the APIs or, the open source platforms that are, you know, proliferating so quickly, whether it's LangChain or Hugging Face or Tortoise TTS, there's just so much happening on the open source side. So we wanted to make sure that our conference reflects where the market is uh, and, and what, what you need to be doing in order to actually effectively get into the market. And that's, you have to build a full stack, right? The conversational piece is one, one layer. Yeah. And it's, it's getting more and more complex as well you know like you've got all of the sort of like um the the platforms that were exist the platforms that began to be created around messaging facebook messenger chatbots like right. those first generation chatbot platforms right. they had to pivot to voice you know because yep. inevitably people were talking about alexa and it's contact center and so people start pivoting into voice those that were kind of like Alexa-based platforms that were created off the back of Alexa have had to move from sort of like voice to chat and also to incorporate their own elements of voice because Alexa didn't really give you any any information or data to as to what was actually going on with your language model or your speech recognition. Right. And so the market has kind of pivoted in a few different directions. And a lot of the companies that have been involved in trying to build companies have had to respond to, you know, differences in technology and differences and changes in customer behavior. Whereas mm -hmm. now it seems because the raw technology is so powerful, you don't have to build your own 
proprietary NLU system. That's not a differentiator anymore. That's just a commodity, you know. And the large That's language right. models getting themselves into a position where they are going to very quickly become a commodity. OpenAI uh, announced like two weeks ago, it's dropping the prices of all of its APIs, basically. So some of them have come down by 75%, others by 25%. The price is coming down. Microsoft's working on its own chips, which is essentially, according to the rumor, they are supposed to work in tandem with large language models to make processing and inference cheaper. So the price of this stuff is going to come down. And therefore, they are just accessible to everybody and they're going to, they're going to become commoditized. And therefore, because of that raw power sitting there, You've then got, as you said, the Lang chains, the auto GPTs, trying to fill kind of holes in the raw technology to make it ultimately useful. Plus, plus you've got products that are being built on top of it, like the Jaspers and all that sort of stuff. That's so right. the platforms that, that are kind of have been there since the beginning that have been providing enterprise grade technologies, they're also in the mix. And so now you've just got this kind of explosion of Every every person seemingly, every company is either building a product or there's an open source tool or something's going every single time I open my emails, there's something else kind of going on. So it's a perfect time to be doing an event like this because right. you mentioned the hype cycle. Part of what we need to do as a community is come together. This is what this is what VUX World's kind of ethos is really, is trying to spot what's kind of hype and being blown out of proportion, what's bullshit, you know. What right. where's the real true potential, and then what is it going to take to reach that potential? Because anyone can grab a language model and turn it into a sort of like Snapchat AI assistant that's going to have a flaky conversation with someone, or a Bing GPT, yeah. which is I don't say anyone can build Bing GPT, but I mean like a version of that which is, you know, not necessarily great at having conversations, but to turn that into something that's going to be sitting in a Mercedes vehicle or to turn it into something that's going to be you know running conversations or being used in a in a large enterprise like a bank or an insurance company it's a different ball game and so we kind of need these spaces to come together share what we're learning and figure out you know how do we make this work for real you know when i uh i think you're spot on when i you know when i started doing this um in in 2009, I started a meetup community. We had a, a small meetup with 12 people uh, at a pizza shop, and we were talking about mobile development. That's where the name Modev came from. And um, uh, a woman came up to me after that two-hour meetup, and she said, I learned more sitting around this table in two hours than I've learned in the last six months online trying to find out you know, what to do. Um, and that stuck with me. And literally that, that I, I, I will always remember that conversation because that's what happens at conferences. You know, we, we spend our time online. Uh, we are, you know, we subscribe to digital newsletters. We write digital newsletters, right? We, 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 we get, we try to go through so much information, but when we do stop and we sit down and we talk to other people, man, that is just a magic. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, that's where that's where the truth comes out because you 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 have those conversations, and so you know my why at Modev became you know we believe uh, human connection is vital in the area of digital transformation. That was like why we do what we do, and so um, because of that belief, we we bring people together, and and I've seen the power of this over and over and over again, and especially you know coming off of COVID, and I know that you know we we've been coming off of COVID for a couple of years now. But I would say 2023 is really the first year that I've gone to, you know, I've been to, I've been to other events and it just sort of feels like that's behind us now. Um, mm -hmm. 
but we definitely, people have definitely changed their behaviors with regards to getting out. My, my, my encouragement to folks is to get out, whether it's our conference, your conference or other conferences, get out, start reconnecting with people. Um, I do believe we're, we've been in a bit of a crisis of isolation because we, we've become so accustomed to being home and maybe not getting out or not going to things. And I, as, as I've challenged myself and pushed myself, you know, it really, really, it really makes a difference. And especially now, as you mentioned, the changes in this market um, and uh, it, it is more important than ever, more vital than ever for, you know, for people to get back together. So I will say this, you know, if you're out there and you're listening uh, and you want to attend our conference, we do have scholarships. If it's something that, you, you know, you haven't budget, you don't have budget for, uh, we want to make sure the the event is accessible to everybody. So we have a scholarship page. Definitely please apply. Um, and uh, we also, you know, we have an expo only pass that's really affordable for folks that just want to come and meet meet the meet the people that are shaping this industry uh, and hang out in the expo hall with us. Uh, we would love to we would love to see you there. Um, but I think importantly, we offer uh, you know the conference offers a ton of content. Uh, we do an open call for proposals. We get speakers from around the world. And they're vetted uh, by a committee and they're, they're selected. So the content is, is, you know, is outstanding. If you're trying to learn and, and get ahead of this market, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what, that's what I love to provide. And that's what, uh, that's what makes it fun for us as people come. And I hear the, I hear the stories after the event of, of, of how we, you know, how we help change, you know, someone's life, whether they learned something, got a job, met a co-founder, it's always great to hear those stories, and you're going to get those stories too uh, soon, uh, Kane from uh, from Unparsed as well. Oh, indeed, indeed, and we had those stories from from the last event uh, in October. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, probably, probably uh, might lay off the booze after on the after party this time because that was uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a story I'm still uh, I'm still getting over. But, uh, but yeah, uh, no, uh, anything a little like Jack Grealish, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, kind of. I did see something from from there where I think that yeah, I think ours was maybe was a little bit worse. We um, yeah, we nearly got abducted by a bunch of shady looking characters uh, to take <laughs> us to you know, which <laughs> which uh, I found out the day after from somebody at the conference that uh, there is no casino anywhere near Arlington. So it's a good job we didn't get in that van because uh, we might not have come back. <laughs> yeah, it's quite uh, a drive. It is quite a drive from there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but it was really good. It was it was fantastic. And so so, what's the plan for this event? It's September fifth to the ninth. Is that right? Fifth to the eighth. Yeah, three seventh. Yeah, fifth, sixth, seventh. Three yeah. days. Um, and our our format stays the same as previous years. We usually do a a move in day on the fifth, but it's also pre conference workshops. Uh, we've got OpenAI lead, leading a deep dive workshop on data training uh, for OpenAI, which is fantastic. I mean. Uh, come meet in person with OpenAI uh, team members and, you know, get hands-on training uh, on OpenAI. That's, um, I think we're one of the very few conferences that's that's offering that. Um, the AWS team is also going to lead a LangChain workshop, so an open source workshop on LangChain. And there's a few other really valuable uh, pre-conference workshops that day. We have a welcome reception that evening in our exhibit hall uh, for folks to come and just, you know, for speakers and sponsors that are already on site and attendees come hang out, let's say hello. And then the, the main event is the sixth and seventh. And we we have an isolated keynote and panel morning in the mornings with some fabulous um, keynote speakers in the morning on both mornings. And then we uh, then we have the illustrious VUX world happening on uh, one of our additional stages. Uh, just as you did last year, you bring such great partners and, and, and content 
Kane, but we have several other breakout rooms going as well. So hands-on classrooms for learning APIs, um, open source tools, uh, strategy, uh, executive strategy, executive strategy roundtables. Um, so lots of breakouts on both days as well. And then our exhibit hall where you get a chance to meet the companies that are shaping the, uh, uh, the future of uh, conversational and generative AI. So we, you know, we bring, we bring the thought leadership content. We also bring the breakout content for everybody. And, uh, and like I said, there's just, there's something for everybody, whether you're a developer, designer, conversation designer, product leader, uh, technology leader, uh, strategist, uh, marketer, um, those are all the things around, you know, that, that um, uh, tech stacks and, and products that's changing dramatically right now. So I think it's, it's an opportunity for the team to come and, uh, you know, get a, get a solid 360 degree view of, of, the, uh, of the industry. Nice. Perfect. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be immense. And for those who, are, um, who haven't been yet, it is, the program is great, obviously. The VUX World Track is uh, something to be uh, to behold. Uh, which, so, so this year, last year we focused, so for people that know us, obviously, you know that our kind of pro focus is on how can we implement or how can you implement conversational AI successfully in the enterprise? That's fundamentally what, what we're kind of all about. Right. And so last year we had some fantastic case studies uh, from a whole bunch of companies, Florida Blue. We had uh, Landry's Hospitality. You know, we had a whole bunch of uh, really great case studies. Uh, this year is going to be exactly the same. Only this year we want to try, as I said before, we want to try and pull us through that hype cycle when it comes to generative AI and large language models. And so still yeah. with the same lens, how do you apply successfully large language models and generative AI in the enterprise? What are the use cases? Who's doing what with it, bringing companies in there that are trying to deploy this kind of stuff and are deploying this kind of stuff. And really the, the, the session for us is as, as much about best practice as it is about learning, you know, and figuring out together where the gaps are and, and what kind of steps need to be taken to make this stuff ready to go. Because, you know, I was talking to someone um, yesterday who, who are building uh, or trying to build an application, which is essentially going to have the goal. I can't share too much about it, but the goal is essentially like a user will be having an, a conversation with an assistant for over an hour. And it's like, you know, and the philosophy is that, you know, the language model is going to manage the entire thing. And it's kind of like, that seems a very kind of tough task, you know, to yeah. be able to manage the context of a conversation for an hour with very long form responses and to be able to keep the context for the, for the whole time is going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, and so it's, it's things like that. Like if we're going to take this technology and, and make it and apply it in really kind of like useful, important situations, what tools do we need? What guardrails do we need? What quality control do we need? What techniques and stuff can we apply to this technology? And, and you know, if you take the raw tools, what else do you need to do to make it work? And so definitely uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to putting that program together as we are doing. And uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be an immense time. Yeah, it is. And um, yeah, just, you know, I, uh, I think that if you if you if you're following the news and, and who's really shaping, you know, this market, um, you're going to meet uh, the folks from companies like OpenAI, from NVIDIA, uh, Perplexity, Microsoft, our, you know, Walmart, Salesforce, Capital One, 
Google, Roche, AWS, General Motors, they're all, they're all speaking uh, and participating uh, actively in the conference. And this is a chance to really kind of understand, you know, what, where's the state of market, what people are doing. And I got to give a big shout out to our partners. Um, you know, I think um, Veritone has just been a, a great leader uh, of this community and in this space in the last few years. And they've risen to the top of the, of the event the last couple of years. And they're joined this year by our friends at CORE. Uh, and Core AI, and I, I love that uh, during uh, the keynote uh, Nvidia, at, at Nvidia, that at Jensen's keynote, that he mentioned Core by name. I thought that was was a, was a really really cool thing. But um, and then we've got new new partners joining us this year, like Amelia. We're so stoked to have them along. Um, people coming back like Polly and Cognigy and uh, uh, Reed Speaker coming back for another year. And then we've added some new ones too. Um, so with Vale and uh, Unique. Variant and GitHub. And it's just uh, really like, it's to me, it's just like, it's wonderful to have these just, you know, really, really leading companies come and join the conference and be a part of uh, part of the growth of this industry and kind of a part of the, I guess the, almost the rebirth of conversational AI, because now I'd say Kane, you know, one thing that's different from this year than last year is I, I do feel like last year conversational AI was still kind of a nice to have. Um, a lot of companies were getting into it, right? But it wasn't, uh, sometimes it wasn't the highest priority on the list. Uh, now it's actually a must have. Everybody must understand conversational AI. They must be conversant in it. Um, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a big difference between you know, that last year and this year. Mm, yeah, I think the, <clears throat> the other kind of, not necessarily difference, but it goes through phases, doesn't it? The market where like you have, so the Alexa sort of thing was, was an interesting observation because you had a lot of companies that were experimenting. There was no one really that made Amazon Alexa a real core part of their strategy in any way, shape or form. It wasn't right. a part of the marketing strategy in a real fundamental way. It wasn't a part of their business strategy or customer engagement strategy in a fundamental way. Yeah. It was all very experimental. And, you know, the conversations that we were having back then was this could be really imperative and, and right. you know, business as usual, mission critical channel. Um, obviously, it didn't get there, but it still went through that sort of innovation, exploration kind of phase. Um, and the same thing kind of happened and is still happening in the enterprise, where if you don't have an assistant up and running yet, or if you haven't got automation in your contact center or whatever, the first thing to do is to experiment. Is it feasible? Can this use case be actually be delivered? Can we design a successful conversation? Can we plumb it into our line of business systems? You know, can we get a successful resolution rate on the, on the conversation? So it's still, when people are getting started, it's still kind of exploratory. But at least the technology has been proven out there there's enough kind of like you know examples of deployments that are successful that gives you the gives the business the confidence to say we think we know that we can kind of get some value here it's it, with, with large language models and generative ai we've almost gone kind of like back a step a little bit i know of a couple of companies who were like lining up to pull the trigger on conversational AI, and then large language models have kind of hit the mainstream and now they're like mm, don't know what are we going to do about this kind of thing so then things yep. have paused and and so on one hand, some things have paused. On the other hand, it's at the beginning of experimentation again. Because if you speak to anyone who's kind of working with large language models, either on the tooling side or on the enterprise side, if you find somebody that will tell you that they're more than happy for large language models to be on the front end of a customer conversation in a mission critical use case that's kind of like uh, of critical importance and, and high consequences, like activating a bank card or, or making a change of address or, you know, taking out a new mortgage, whatever those kind of things are, they will tell you not to touch it with a barge pole. 
So right. rightly, rightly so there's experimentation going on, but it's, it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting sort of time to be because for companies like us, that's great because we get to experiment with new technology. We get to work with companies that are trying to prove the value, but from a sort of like business impact and kind of like global impact of conversational AI, it's almost like taking a step back to take a step forward. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's why I think at the top of the call, I said it's kind of, we're kind of in this um, what what do we do now phase of the market, um, and there's that is so that pause is also coupled with some urgency, uh, feeling like well, we yeah we need we really need to figure this out. Um, how disruptive is this going to be to our business if if somebody does this implementation well and they're a competitor are they are we going to lose customers to that uh, competitor? That's balanced with, you're right, the, the risk. Uh, there is an AI hall of shame, right? Uh, and there's been many well-publicized, you know, challenges uh, related to large language model implementations across, you know, various industries. Um, but that's where, that's where the market also is, is innovating. And I believe that um, those guardrails, uh, those guardrails are more important than ever. And uh, I think that's a, that's a piece of this market as well. Uh, I, we haven't, we really haven't talked about the policy side of this and, and the need for really good sound policies in the market. And that's going to be a part of the conversation at uh, Voice and AI as well. We're here in Washington, DC. So we, we happen to have a, a, a very a large community of folks that are, you know, very, very um, involved and integrated into the policy and regulatory frameworks um, that are, you know, that are being discussed right now. So, and, and, I want to encourage everybody to be a part of that conversation if you can. I know Open Voice Network is doing some great work around it. Um, there are other organizations. ActOnline.org uh, is doing is taking a lead uh, in this area. The ITIC.org uh, as well. So the standards bodies. Um, but take a look out there, and, and it's a time to get involved. It's time to be time to have your voice heard and help shape this this market in a you know in a healthy way that drives innovation, but also recognizes that you know we have challenges to overcome when it comes to uh, uh, artificial intelligence and uh, generative AI certainly mm. are you are you of the mindset that um, AI will kind of there's, there's two kind of two two mindsets there's a kind of like dystopian and a utopian one isn't there so the dystopian view of like more Gauda and, and a few others is kind of like AI is super dangerous it's gonna it has the potential to destroy us all if we don't act fast and we're already behind. Um, the other more utopian view, like Andrew Ng and, and you know, uh, Lan Lacun and, and people like that, which is this is actually, you know, fundamentally it's just a pattern matching system and a prediction model. And, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Really, it's just a tool and we can use the tool to be more productive. And if we can be more productive, we'll create more opportunities for everyone and the world will be yeah, a better place. I, I, tend to, I, I tend to be more of an optimist. Um, I, I tend to, you know, I really, I, I think Satya Nadella at Microsoft has is, is, is done a you know, great job. And I think that uh, he's leading the company. They're all in on AI and, and, and you know, building more quality tools that we can use in our work every day. I think that, AI, look, social media has been hugely challenging, I think, for global societies. I think it's, you know, we're here in America, you're, you're, in, you're in Europe, but we... Um, we, we it, look, it's 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 really had a negative impact in many many ways. I think it's 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 responsible too for this kind of global mental health crisis that we that we're that we're going through. I think social media. I've had to I've had to curtail my own social media use just to just to make sure that I'm you know just 
be able to stay focused on the things that are most important to me. Um, social media is artificial intelligence. That's what's behind social media. And um, so I do tend to be an optimist, but I don't think we've even gotten social media right yet. I mean, we there's still a, there's still a lot of challenges and there there's an opportunity to have social media do the good things that we wanted to do and connect us with others and share interesting information without flooding us and without it manipulating us and without doing the things that, you know, like I've got kids that are 11 and 12, that are very, very sensitive, you know, fragile age for social media. So my wife and I are very hyper vigilant about it. I bring that up just because I think, I think AI uh, is the AI that's behind social media is coming to the, coming right face to face with us where we're having conversations now with these algorithms that, you know, that um, don't always have our best interest at heart. And I do think, um, so I do tend to be more of an optimist that I, that I think that we'll better deal with this now, um, knowing the challenges that we face with, uh, with social media, but it's going to be challenging and it's not going to be easy. And there are going to be, you know, there are going to be a lot of bumps in the road, but I, I do like, Look, I'm a believer in technology and, and technology making the world, uh, you know, making making our work maybe uh, more enjoyable, making our making our lives more enjoyable. But I also I love to get out in the woods without technology. So, um, yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's going to be a balance, Kane. I really do. I think it's I think it's going to be a balance. And I do, but I I'm not I'm not the dystopian uh, believer. I'm more I wouldn't call it utopian, but I do think that there's I do think that w- as human beings, I think we're going to figure it out. We've historically gotten it righter than not over time. And I'm going to believe that we're going to continue to do that. I think so. I mean, if you, if you look at, if you look at over his, over the course of time, there's always been kind of like grunt work to be done. Hasn't there? You know, if you, you can even go uh, as far back as you want to go back, some people were slaves and I'm not talking about the kind of African-American slavery in more recent right. times. That's obviously bad enough. But generally speaking, throughout the hundreds and thousands of years of human existence, there have been people whose primary existence has just been to serve others, doing menial tasks that no one really wants to do, whatever, right. whatever those tasks might be. you know. And then with every technology innovation and advancement of society, we kind of break through those kind of barriers and we sort of raise the kind of living standards, if you like, um, and then, you know, as we do that, those that new technology and the new sort of living standards have activities that need to be done and people do those activities and they get paid to do it in some way, shape or form. Some people mm-hmm. have on the kind of bottom end of the income scale jobs that they would probably prefer not to do uh, and so forth. And so I kind of just view it as it, it's just been it's part of a natural cycle, which we've always gone through. You know, from the introduction first of, I don't know, horse horse and cart, you know, sounds stupid. But before yeah. then, people were walking everywhere. And it had been people whose jobs it was or people who were tasked with walking miles and miles and miles to deliver a message to someone or something daft like that. Or, or if you go back to like, you know, we, then we, we learn how to how to attach letters to a homing pigeon and send that. You know, and there have been people who have and whose job it is to look after homing pigeons and to create, you know, this kind of like facility for someone to send a message using a pigeon that they don't exist anymore because, you know, automobiles or whatever have kind of replaced that. So you always kind of advance. And although there's concern, obviously, for job losses, and I think the bigger concern in this 
moment in time is the exponential kind of increase of capability that these tools provide in such a short space of time. It's having the time to adjust, I think, that's the bigger issue because we still have jobs today and roles today that if you were to ask a 15-year-old or 12-year-old person, what do you want to do when you grow up? They certainly won't answer the, you know the kind of jobs that that some people do to make a living and to earn a crust and stuff like that and some people may enjoy doing that you know 110 percent jobs like contact center jobs are really really fulfilling jobs and actually very difficult jobs because you need to know a lot about the business you need to be able to use multiple different business systems you need to be able to understand people and talk to people have empathy yep. and all this kind of stuff so so but it's it's kind of like i just see it as progress happens anyway we we do adapt to progress and there will be other opportunities that, that get created that we don't even know of yet. And it's not even job right. losses we're talking about here. I'm just talking about not the, the losses that, that potentially might see, but the, the opportunity that's in front of us. You look at IKEA, perfect example. They've started, they automated for the last two years contact center conversations. So, you know, trying to kind of improve self-service and rather than getting waiting on hold and all that kind of stuff, you can kind of get loads of stuff done with, uh, I think it's called um, Barry or something like that. And so in the, the contact center agents that were handling those phone calls, they've retrained them all to be interior designers and they're now charging right. their time out $25 an hour, £25 an right. hour. So no, they've, it's amazing. They've, yeah, they've given people kind of revenue producing roles. Um, and it's, I, I think that's what we're going to see more of. We're going to see more opportunity created. And for yeah. example, IKEA's contact center. The people who are now in new jobs, maybe getting paid more, possibly more fulfilling, being allowed to be more creative, a bit more autonomy. Like for, for those people, they're not going to reminisce and miss the old job. And it's not going to mm -hmm. be that jobs have been lost. Actually, it's jobs have been created and more revenue has been created. So I think we're going to see more, more things like that happen if you do it properly, you know? Yeah, no, I think um, Ikea is a great example. I think about the grocery stores as well, where, you know, you've got automated, uh, you know, you got self-service checkout, right? So people are saying, well, now the checkers are going to lose their jobs. Well, the checkers are moving into the stores and actually helping people shop and spend more money, um, you know, so they're becoming more effective moving into the closer to uh, where the decisions are being made. And I think what you're going to see is uh, the major brands putting uh moving, you know, actually paying more and having those people help move their products, uh, you know, at, at decision time. So then the, you know, the, the, the labor moves into the store and becomes more valuable. I think that that's, um, so the Ikea example I love, I think there's gonna be a lot of examples like that. I was talking to a major bank recently and they said, look, if we can just automate 5% of our calls in our contact centers, that would be a huge, huge ROI for us. And, and, um, and so I think that, you know, this is not, you know, and they said, look, if we just go 5%, so it's, you know, there's still 95% of their contact center workers are probably going to be doing their job where, you know, they're, they're going to offload, you know, some of it, but they said, we're not going to offload all of our contact centers anytime soon. They've probably, like they're pro they're probably got a 10 to 20% abandonment rate anyway. So they're probably right. not even answering the, the total sum of calls coming into the business. You know, right. that's kind of the thing. It's like all, all of this sort of like, Fair enough. It's, in the long term, it is definitely more of a concern about the fact that it could be a kind of more dystopian kind of future. But, you know, the reality is that most contact centers, for example, that's the area where most people are kind of concerned about today. Most contact centers are not answering all the calls that they that they have got coming in. Yeah. And a lot of them have it wait times that are just through the roof. So what do you want to do about that? 
you want to just leave that as it is now and just leave it like that yeah. forever? Or do you want to right. do you want to actually sort that out so that you can actually serve customers and make people's lives easier and help people save time and stuff like that? It's actually making your staff's lives easier. And then right. over time, you know, which will be a slow burner, you know, I don't think this stuff's going to happen. Although the technology is moving fast, it's not going to happen in, in, in the blink of an eye. Over time, as more and more things become more automated, slowly but surely and steadily over time, you'll find areas like IKEA have found where you're able to kind of create better opportunities and better paid jobs for people that are, that are doing things that they would rather do, you know? So I, I'm definitely more kind of on the optimistic side. I do think that there is a concern about the tools being put into the wrong hands. That's the yes. kind of big concern for me is, is like, you know, could this technology be used somehow to create specific marketing content using very specific specific targeting through the power of the social media targeting tools that exist on Facebook and the like to start swaying people's opinions in one way or another, you know, because yeah. for those who are bad actors, they're bad actors anyway. And this just yeah. kind of fuels the ability to do more damage with more breadth. So that's kind of the bigger concern for me is kind of like people using it kind of like t towards a kind of um, ill end, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think that uh, that that's seen a lot of it, a lot of talk about democracy and 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 the, and the threat. I think to democracy. Um, also, you know, we we haven't talked about China. I think China is, you know, they're all in on AI and they're 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 moving at light speed as as a country as well. So, you know, there's, um, yeah, there's there's a lot there are a lot of challenges um, on the horizon, and I think that that's where the policies really have to come in and come in quickly. And, and, you know, synthetic content needs to be labeled as synthetic. I think that, um, uh, and, uh, you know, there's a whole market for authentication and, and, uh, and, and being able to tell whether something's, you know, real or fake, cause we're going to need it. And, you know, the, the images up to now have been, you can tell if you look, that's just about, we're almost even through that, right. Where images are getting better and better. All the fingers are there. Um, you know, um, so yeah, Kane, I think you're right. I think that, um, I think we haven't gotten it perfect uh, by, by any stretch, uh, in the past. And so, um, I think it's up, you know, it's, it's tough to say it's up to the platform companies to help, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully there's some, uh, hopefully there's some help on the horizon, uh, on, from the platform, from the platform side. But, but I, I certainly think the industry needs to come together on this. Regulations need to happen. Um, we, you know, a lot of opportunity to build a lot of really cool things um, mm. and have some fun entertainment. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's not, not without its challenges. And I'm excited for the event. I'm excited to meet a lot of new people that, um, that are coming into this industry. And, and uh, again, we've got people coming from around the world. Uh, the event is September 5th through 7th in Washington, DC, just a quick reminder. Um, and, and you can find it at voiceand.ai. Thanks Kane for putting the, the link down there. Um, yeah, so Kane, I'm excited excited to see you. Excited to see you in uh, back in Washington D.C. Got you here twice yeah. within a year. That's pretty good. That's pretty good stats as far as I'm concerned. That is very good going. Yeah, um, that'll be the uh, so before that, I'd only been to the U.S. once, and by the time I returned from there, I'd have been three times in the last year. It's uh, crazy. It's all, no, it's all going on. But I'm, I'm looking forward go. to it. Yeah, there you are. Yeah. You, you're having some sort of effect on me, you know. 
<laughs> hey man, I'm here to bring people together. That's my, that's my, that's my calling. So uh, I look forward to getting all the human beings together and uh, yeah, we got to connect on this stuff. It's um, it's a fascinating time and uh, uh, it'll be, it'll be fun to see the outcomes of the conference and, uh, and uh, we'll have a visit afterwards and, uh, and compare notes. Definitely. Definitely. Nice one. Well, as Pete said, boys and girls, you can go to voiceand.ai. The website is there. You can get your tickets there. All the types of tickets that Peter mentioned, you know, lots of ways to get involved. If you're planning your trip, you know, there's lots of people that come from all over the world to go there. And, uh, you know, Washington is, is fantastic. We ended up having a, a little trip there last year when we went there. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, loads of stuff to do. Uh, so if you are coming from Europe like I am, then, you know, what I tend to try and do is try and come a bit early, stay a bit later. You know, New York's not too far away, so you can you can uh, mix work and pleasure, which is always the best combination. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, lot to, yeah. to see in DC. Lot to see in DC. It'll be a nice time of year. September is a great time of year in Washington. Uh, and I would give shout out to the hotel. The Washington Hilton is a fabulous property. We have a great rate. Uh, you won't beat it in downtown DC, especially for a high quality hotel. So um, you can uh, register through the um, or click the link for that special rate through the website as well. So um, definitely. Get yourselves to D.C. If you're in D.C., uh, come on down to the Washington Hill. It'd be great to see you. Nice one. Th Pete, absolute pleasure. As always, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I'll see you in October, uh, in September. Kane, you're right? a huge asset for this industry. It's, it's so great to be partnered with you again. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's been great, great chatting with you. No worries. And we'll see you all in Washington in September. Look forward to it. See you soon. Thanks.